0: Eight, seven, six, five, four,
1: three, two, one. Hey, welcome back to Optimist Vaccine. I'm Steve and joining me this week Adam Myros. Uh, hello Steve. Oh, what a great week, man. Are, are you are you happy to be back and
0: Watching some some fresh new releases, uh, I'm no no Steve. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a little perplexed as to uh, why you insisted that we watch this film.
1: I mean, how could I not? I I will state my case once we start discussing it. But uh, also joining
2: us, Jack is here. Yeah, I am looking forward to hearing that that case, Steve. Because I I why there's doesn't seem to be any purpose to this.
1: This is for you. I mean, it's it's not an Irish movie per se, but it's an Irish American Catholic doing very Catholic things, and that's pretty Irish, right? Yeah. Uh, t- no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to support you here. I mean, you, did you see the the election in northern ireland i mean I the, did. the nationalist party won we're gonna have a reunited ireland are we gonna have that jack we might we might who
2: knows brexit will brexit could well successfully get scotland and northern ireland out of the united kingdom so that's a, a huge win for for everyone who was behind that one just enormous but uh no you see nah. the thing about irish catholicism is that no one cares about catholicism it's like yeah, they run true. stuff and they do terrible things and they get a complete pass for it. But no one talks about being Catholic. No one like mm-hmm. no one even believes in God. That's that would be that <laughs> would be absurd. That's, that's the thing. way of
0: Catholicism, Jack. Yeah, that's well, that's what you believe if you don't actually believe in God.
2: Would see this <laughs> like the American Catholics are insane? Because they I think No, they not actually, in my experience. I really? feel like
0: uh, you, you've you had some poor exposure to American Catholics because most of them are just like, well, I don't really care about this shit, but uh, <laughs> I'm supposed to turn up once a week to go to church. And the, most people don't even do that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, because I mean, it's, when I first came odd. to the US, my first exposure was I went to a Catholic college here and it was full of fucking freaks who would like, oh, well, yeah, talk about things the Pope said as if that mattered. And talk it like and I swear to God, what's, these what's people. What's your favorite rosary bead? <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, and, I mean, this will lead into. Uh, I mean, I met a guy who honestly will be the barometer for for this movie we're talking about today because he actually became a priest, and there's some funny stuff oh, wow. there. So you know, which one? This one reason why uh, this movie does not really ring 100 percent true to me. But yeah, no, it's it's who <laughs> who on earth cares about like the my my mom is like. Absolutely, would if you ask her, she's a Catholic, hundred percent, and she has like literally was worried about the latest Pope because she thinks the Vatican is a bad place for a nice person to be. So, <laughs> like, uh, that's
0: great. I share that belief. Um, sure, uh, but I mean, I think there's there's like a delineation between a Catholic college, which is where the real lunatics are fucking heading, sure, and your standard Catholic experience in America, at least in the Midwest catholicism hmm, is yeah. the, the very laziest of denominations it's they they have what they call the cne christian which is i would say probably like 80 percent of a standard Catholic. Oh, like a oh, christmas and easter That's my right? christmas and easter yeah yeah, yeah That it's an 80 20 breakdown yeah. it's,
1: it's i would agree with that i was i was just about to say the same thing actually it's about 80 percent are our are E's, and then you get to the the hardliners that you know jack experienced but
2: yeah, I mean I found I found all of them and they were this was in Ohio, like just as a Cincinnati, so you know, Midwestish <sighs> on around, you know. I can't believe you're in Ohio. That's <laughs> well, I was in Kentucky, but like Cincinnati was the nearest place. It was right up in the north. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. So that that kind of area. And and yeah, I mean there was a bunch of people who were just super fucking Catholic there, and I'd never honestly never experienced that, having grown up in Ireland. I mean, in reflection, a few, like, there's a few people in my family who are quite Catholic. They, like, go to the Holy Land every so often, but they mostly keep it to themselves, you know? But these people, they don't. They just talk about Catholicism all the time. They're very adamant about, you know, like, very important things, like whether or not you should eat, you know, anything other than fish on a Friday. Like, as if anyone (laughs) could possibly give a shit about that. See that was
0: that was strictly lent in in my neck of the woods. Uh sure, oh, yeah. in Ireland am, it
2: never came up.
0: <laughs> okay, that's just like a lent thing. A few weeks where you go to fucking long john silvers on a Friday. But uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big sacrifice, you know. You got to fucking yeah. remember Christ's sacrifice by eating long john silvers <laughs> for 4 weeks a year. <laughs> Dude, hush puppies are good.
1: That sounds like a win, but you know. Um yeah, I I don't know. I, the other thing I was thinking too, Jack, was uh, I was kind of mulling this over, thinking about your homeland, and if we do get a reunited Ireland here, you know, they're going to need a new national anthem, and I was like, what? what is the ideal song? And I think I landed on it. I think it's C'est La Vie by Bewitched. What do you think?
2: Yeah, um... Could be very, yeah, that's like a very diverse song because one of them was like half Greek. So that,
1: yeah, you know, which is already yeah. for
2: Ireland is a tremendous amount of diversity. Like one of them looks like she has a tan just automatically, which is unheard of. Yeah, I don't know. You see, here's here's my problem. I, I actually think that Ireland has a pretty good national anthem. I mean, and that's like a sliding scale from like oh. bad to terrible. Like most national anthems suck ass. But um, Ireland's national anthem is, is pretty good. I think all all in all. Maybe not up with the French, but, but like that. but pretty good. Definitely better than the American national anthem, which is an oh. ass piece of shit. You really like yeah. we should fix that. <laughs> it's garbage.
0: See, I I can't believe you overlooked the obvious choice of I'm shipping up to Boston. I mean <laughs> <laughs> That would be good, you know, to have an American song
1: as the Irish national anthem. I think that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I-, I, just, I just went with Bewitched because, I mean, not enough respect for those gals. Uh, it's a banger of a pop song. It's one of those weird songs that's like a strange metaphor for wanting to fuck, but like kind of watering it down to the point where you're like, I'm kind of confused about what this is about. And it's the most Irish because you can clearly hear their Irish accents. And there is a breakdown, like a bridge, towards the end of the song, where they they do an, uh, the Irish dance. They the do the jig. Irish dancing.
2: That's true. They do the jig. Can you imagine a whole stadium full, like the All Ireland final, and a whole stadium full of people all saying, "I fight like me dad." <laughs> <be, it'd> <laughs> incredible. <laughs> incredible moment would unify the whole country i have an alternative though and my suggestion is okay my suggestion for a new united irish national anthem is that all events where the national anthem is played we play all seven minutes of my bloody valentine soon oh, as yeah. loudly as possible just the, the album closer <laughs> just get everyone buzzed pumped but it ha- we have to play all of it, like not a segment, not like the first verse. Are there even verses in my Bloody Valentine songs? No one would know. It's just noise. <laughs> no. So we have to play the whole thing every time. If an Irish person wins a medal at the Olympics, they're all on the podium for seven minutes with and blow out the PA.
1: I love that because that's the kind of song where you you kind of feel like it's going to make your brain vibrate from the frequencies and like it'll give you a concussion just from standing there. So, yeah, I support that 100%. I think that would be good. So, just throw out some options it's gonna out there. It's going to turn, you know? if,
2: like, if it even comes to it, it's just going to be fucking Bono, and it's going to be, like, some terrible poem about, like, I, I don't know. Like, gee, he was just in a fucking Ukrainian subway the other day, or maybe it was today. I don't know. <laughs> like, God, that man is just... And and honestly, my, what's worse thing is my stance on U2's music has softened as I got older. I'm like, actually, some of this is okay, but Jesus, he tests me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I kind of like Bono only because there's a very short list of people that I am confident that I could beat up, and he's on that list. <laughs> so fuck you, Bono. I'll kick your ass. I'll 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 meet you by that. What's what's that statue in in Dublin where it's the lady with the boobs and oh Molly and the, the Malone. Boobs are Malone, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, Bono, I know you're listening. I'll meet you by the Molly Malone shiny boob statue. Get ready you're for you're gonna, your are you ass gonna
2: give those a polish when you're when you're over there. You're on the wrong coast. Yeah. yeah, fuck it. You can nip over.
1: I'm gonna polish Bono's face with him. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> throw him right on there.
2: All right. Well, so your stance you is that
1: guessed... we
0: picked this for Jack, even though this this is for Jack. This yeah, this is a very tenuous connection to Ireland. I don't recall any heritage well, being mentioned in this film. I someone
1: you. more Irish than Mark Wahlberg. This...
0: I mean, I can think of uh, many people.
2: <laughs> I think we've named a Mark few Wolf- of them.
1: Mark Wahlberg is so Irish that his Boston accent breaks through his Southern accent in the movie. I see. You're too. following <laughs> our
0: standard tenet that uh, not only is Scotland. Wales etc the same thing as Ireland but also Boston is the same thing Boston as is the same as
1: Ireland the yeah 33rd the county Boston exactly I just draw a circle around all that it's, it's all just Ireland to me it's beautiful <laughs> it makes sense yeah so yeah I mean in case you didn't figure it out we're talking about father stew today uh, what what an exciting time to be alive because this is a movie that a lot of a lot of major studios kind of you know, they turned their nose up at it. They said, no, thanks, Marky Mark. I know you're a big draw, but maybe not big enough. So what did Marky Mark do? Well, he did what any self-respecting man would do. And he put himself in a position where he's like, I'm going to make this myself come hell or high water. So Father Stew, it stars Mark Wahlberg as the titular Father Stew, And in addition to Padre Wahlberg, we get his buddy, Mel Gibson. Okay? Because we, we needed that to happen. It's like, you know, Wonder Twin Powers activate. And it's, uh, it's uh, they're putting their rings of, of racism and violence together. And they're creating Hollywood magic. And then, who's going to write and direct this thing? Why, it's Rosalind Ross. And we all know who that is. Oh, oh you don't. It's actually like Mel Gibson's, uh, what is she, like 22-year-old girlfriend or something? And her credits include Father Stew
2: start can't wait to find out what she does next
1: I mean what are you going to do yeah so first time directing she does have a few writing credits Uh, she wrote a a short called Homeward which you haven't seen she wrote something called Barbarian which is in pre-production so you haven't seen that either and she wrote a single episode of the TV series Matador which I am not familiar with at all Uh, I have never heard of this in my entire life uh, so I, I don't even know what.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, station at n- on I know we're we're meant to like you know lift up women in media and stuff, but I really yeah maybe not this one. Yeah, I really can't help but feel like the Mel Gibson connection might be might be doing a lot of the work here.
0: Uh, I yeah. I mean I don't know. I I'm not gonna like throw this person under the bus. This is a, this is a movie that I'm honestly surprised. Hollywood was so reticent to fun because at at its core, what is this movie? Like I I went in expecting more of like a Catholic screed, but what it really is, is it's like, it's a David O Russell movie. (laughs) It's the fighter without all that pesky fucking fighting, you know?
2: Yeah, no, it it Mm. is strange because, because this is a very like, yeah, this is a very classic, just faith movie. Like it's religious, but it's like marketably religious which is why i wonder if maybe marky mark got some like script doctors on this this the film feels very like touched up um so i i wonder if maybe he while he was working on it he realized that once his own money was on the line he needed to, like fix it up a little bit mhm yeah i
1: i have no idea it's it, this whole thing is it's it's bizarre how this got made and this is his passion project because marky mark he's he's a 20 percenter right he's part of that that catholic super fan <laughs> uh special segment what, what does we walburgers do
2: during lent like what do they just stop oh, like wow. do, they do, oh, is... <laughs> do, do they do a fish switch like for for fucking a month like what happens I it's it's hard to say. I, I mean, <laughs> I've never been to one. I don't know where they are. So, but can someone tell us if you have a Wahlburgers near you? What what happens when when Easter comes around I yeah, I guess they they switch to the wallfish. That's oh. the only <laughs> thing they can do. Little walcod. Wahlburger, need well, Wahlburg needs so much protein, though. I mean, the man must just absolutely just just eat so much protein to maintain his his remarkable physique. He's dedicated so much time to that, you know. I just Can he switch to fish? Does fish and all... I guess The Rock eats a lot of fish, too. I guess you get a lot of protein mm-hmm. out of fish. You just gotta eat a shit ton of it or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the, you're you know, right. This movie is interesting. There's a lot to talk about in this movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, this. this movie... Obviously, had some struggles getting traction because it was theatrically released. It was not released on demand. It's still not available on demand. You got to see this one in the theater, folks. Uh, Or you get a special screener like we did. And (laughs) special, real special special screener. It's about as special as it gets.
2: It's got the audience reaction commentary track, which (laughs) I'm a big fan of.
1: So, you know, it gets released on Easter, which is the most Catholic time that you can release a movie. And Marky Mark, he's so passionate about this. He actually, not only did they release a a nice trailer for this, but he did the introduction to the trailer too. Uh, Very heartwarming stuff. And he talks about how this is his passion project. But then I think this is what really kills Father Stu before it even gets started. This movie has one of the worst trailers imaginable. It's fucking horrible. Hmm. Uh, it, 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 it's one of those trailers where they basically do just a rundown of the whole movie. So you get the whole plot start to finish every major beat. It's all there. It's all there. And the music blows. So what I'm going to propose before we actually talk about this movie is I think there's an opportunity here for maybe, maybe a second half, a fourth quarter, if you will, for father stew. And it's going to hinge on a recut trailer and I think it's going to have to start with the soundtrack because the Father two soundtrack fucking sucks. Well, that's, okay. that's the
0: problem right there. You don't have that David O Russell budget. So you can't get all those mm-hmm. needle drops in there here. We're fucking stuck with like limp dick fucking acoustic oh, strumming.
1: That's all. It's all you get. You get like three seconds of the man comes around by Johnny cash. You get like a Z tier black key song and then everything else is like original music that is, is meant to evoke things that you're familiar with, uh, written by someone named like Dixon Heathcliff or something. Uh, let me bring this up. Uh, Dickon Hinchliff. That's actually worse than Dixon Heathcliff.
2: That's impressive. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's all this trash music. So let me, let me paint a picture for you boys. First of all, I think the trailer should start off with, the young father stew pre-father when he's just straight up stew. And he's got, he's got this look about him. He's got this like kind of porn stash and shaggy hair because this is a movie that is not concerned with actual time periods. You see, you see father stew come on the screen. You go, Oh, this takes place in like the seventies. The no, no, this, this is the early nineties, believe it or not. <laughs> but father stew comes on, but because I mean, Marky Mark's got this, this Vietnam ass look going. So why don't we hit him? with a little bit of the credence, you know, fortunate son, right? So you just get the, and he's, you know, talking about how he's boxing and, and the, and the doctor's like, you can't box anymore. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck you. Ah. And then from there, he moves to Hollywood. Okay. And, uh, and then, and then he, you know, he gets into his, his Catholic faith. And before he does that though, he, you know, he meets the girl and everything. He's, He's in the, the deli, the grocery store where he works. And I'm thinking we use Grindin' by Clips, you know, because he's, he's on that grind. He's got that grind set that's important to being a successful man that wants to break into Hollywood. So then from there, we find out, oh, he's a big drunk and he likes to, to drive his motorcycle around. And when I think of, uh, you know, famous musicians who love to drink and ride their motorcycle, who do I think of? That's right. Bruce Springsteen, the boss. So I, I think we get born to run in there and then he's, he's born to, to run into a moving vehicle and eat shit. And he goes into a coma and he comes out of the coma, right? And this is the part where we learn that you know he wants to become a priest or whatever the fuck. So then we hit him with the Hosier, the take me to church song, okay? But then it's like, okay, we're bringing it down a little too much. So then we hit him again with Kanye West's mercy. We get that fucking trap beat in there. We hit him hard with that. And then we get Fat Mark Wahlberg, which everybody loves. Kanye's playing. We love it. We love it. We love it. And then, boom, we end it. Father Stu, the the logo and the the font and the whole thing. And then we hit him with the 90s contemporary Christian white guy hip-hop classic, Who's in the House? JC by Carmen. Get a little Christian rap in there. Boom. That's your trailer
0: re-release that father stew number one of the box office tell me i'm wrong so your your trailer sounds like it costs as much as the entire film
1: (laughs) yes but but sacrifices need to be made you want to be number one you think you think marvel says oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna license that song i can't afford lead greenwood i'm the marvel guys what i can't pay that and then they they fucking go and get it whatever they need
2: right you know i mean i i think this this is an interesting prospect i do because yeah, it's got this. It's full of shitty country music, but like, there's no country in this whatsoever. Like Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, mm. not not Southern boys by any you know by any stretch. I mean, I guess Mel Gibson's pretty Southern because he's Australian, but that's not really the same <laughs> yeah. thing. That's a very very different different thing. So you know, I feel like they could have it up by at least just putting in like a striker soundtrack, like Christian metal, just same difference i mean it wouldn't make any dairy, you know but like this the 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 country doesn't really land for me maybe maybe they could have just jived it up a little bit with it you know just one or two songs definitely when he's crashing on the motorcycle that would have been pretty funny would have been like
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: but yeah I, that's a, a fair idea something to liven this up it, it's i like the in your trailer in running it out you you have given the entire story of this movie which is <laughs> deceptively simple and yet this movie is two hours long for reasons that are unclear and you could watch the trailer and get all of it we're saving you plenty of time here well I mean, that, I mean, that, that was that, really it
0: that defeats the purpose of uh, uh you know cutting the trailer here i thought your game was to make this number one now you're, you're trying to <laughs> tell people that they don't need to watch the film well i mean but they're gonna watch my trailer well, the trailer <laughs> the least, doesn't make any
2: money. <laughs> you're going to get longer cuts of the great songs in the full movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're licensing it for the yeah. trailer, you'll have it in the, in the real movie. Oh, for sure. Personally, for sure. I
0: think I would just, you know, you want to keep this a little more mysterious. I just I just use a series of these great confessional scenes. Like, these these are really where the movie's singing. There's all these fucking hilarious japes going on in this confessional booth. That's that's how you get the people in the theater.
2: Mm. I think that'd be yeah. good. Or, I mean, that, that or we help. could just, like, I think like a teaser scenario where you know we don't re- release a full trailer just like little sting or teasers just you know that kind of like titillate you and it's just like f- the word just fat Wahlberg just plastered on the tv with an image of fat Wahlberg and we just you know do that and people are like what's this about fat Wahlberg? why is he fat <laughs> and that know that would bring like like what the f- like they should rename the movie fat Wahlberg too because father stew you know gives someone like religious just call it fat Wahlberg.
0: I, I don't what's the purpose of fat Wahlberg? And how fat did I, he actually I get? Dedicated he is. I just want to know how <laughs> fat he actually got and how much this is some movie magic. I, I mean I, I understand he gained asked. some weight, but also <laughs> Yeah, it, it appears as if he's, he's somehow lost all muscle mass in this span of time as well. So <laughs> I, I get the sense there's something going on You're here. He probably beyond. let his
2: body fat, like, <laughs> percentage get up to, like, 4.8% or something, yeah. and then just put on a suit, and he's like, that's as much as I can sacrifice.
1: I feel like that's about right. I did, I did the homework on this one, because <laughs> I, I was very interested, because, you know, Fat Wahlberg, there, there's really... Not a great use of Fat Wahlberg here. And part of that is because our first time director, Rosalind Ross, she really favors these close ups. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get like the full girth of of the Fat Wahlberg in the wheelchair. Plus, you know, a, a priest outfit, not exactly
0: form fitting. So you're not really seeing it. Yeah, the only time you get it's when he's like sitting on the toilet. There's the one scene where he's, up, he's yeah. on the toilet. That's yeah, about it's it. Fearless <laughs> acting. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty
1: much. Yeah. There's like, he, he's sitting on the toilet. He doesn't have a shirt on. You're like, Oh guys, I guess he is kind of fat. Uh, and, and I'm sure you're saying, well, okay. So he basically gained all this weight for a single topless toilet scene. That seems crazy. And the answer is yes. And then, you know, entertainment weekly was kind enough to interview him. And they're like, so we noticed that you got fat. Uh, how'd you do it? And he talked about how he was really committed to the role, even though, you know, it clearly didn't fucking matter here. And so he said, quote, I tried to do it in a healthy way. It was a dozen eggs and a dozen pieces of bacon, two baked potatoes, a porterhouse steak, two bowls of white rice, and a glass of olive oil. That was breakfast. <laughs> A,
2: a Sorry, glass of tried olive oil. To, he tried to do this he the did.
1: healthy way. I tried to do it the healthy way. He drank a glass, a glass of, of olive oil. oil
0: every
2: morning. I'm pretty sure the American Heart Association would would consider this like flashing red lights.
1: He consumed 11,000 calories a day, and he had to eat a full meal every three hours, even when he was full. So. Can you imagine like a full fucking pint glass? I mean, what's what's incredible about this
2: is that this absolutely shows that Mark Wahlberg thinks he's winning an Oscar for this fucking movie.
0: What? Yeah. What's the purpose of it? I mean, if you wanted to consume eleven thousand calories in a day, you could probably just eat like three bags of fucking Doritos or something. Not chug a glass <laughs> no. of olive oil. <laughs> olive oil, and then he said the last two weeks. Yeah, the last two
1: weeks were just starches and then sodium, so you could get as bloated as humanly possible. Jesus. <laughs> he's just got like a fucking thing of iodized salt he's just chugging it
2: (laughs) this is like a hundred percent and i mean it's it's this is a good indicator for the movie like this is clearly Wahlberg is taking this very seriously this is obviously father stew is a character who greatly inspires him he's really he's a hundred percent behind this he felt that it was really necessary to gain that weight for this movie to showcase what exactly it doesn't really matter his his (laughs) <laughs> decline his health decline starts i checked about hour about an hour and 10 minutes into the movie is when like we have his first inkling of him having a degenerative disease and for most of that he's fine like for most of it after that he's just sort of you know having trouble motor issues or whatever like you guys mm-hmm. say there's like one scene there's like one scene where we really see that he's fat you know overweight the rest of it is just sort of like some close-up of his face, you could easily do this with prosthetics. They might have done it with prosthetics. I don't know. I think so. think There's something else
0: going on beyond the fucking glass of oil? <laughs> This oil. This, this is a tall tale. Fucking old Paul Bunyan.
2: But, you know, yeah, and I mean, it could be, but then again, like, Mark Wahlberg's, like, if nothing else, Mark Wahlberg is serious about his fitness, and he's serious about his fitness to the point where he clearly doesn't want to talk to his family. Like, that his his workout routine is, like, 100% geared towards not having to interact with his family ever. Like, he gets mm-hmm. up at 2am and then he, like, does a whole bunch of shit and goes into a cryo chamber and then, like, somewhere penciled in is, like, drop the kids off at school or something. That's it. Like, maybe, I guess he probably, like, Eats dinner with them at three and then goes to bed again or something. Like it's it's an <laughs> utterly insane thing. And if he he's just doing this, he clearly I reckon that his family found a way to like make contact with him, and he's just like he <laughs> needed to pull out the big gun so he could get away from them again. He'll be undoing this for for years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, the kids finally got to see dad, but the trade off was while they were eating their ego waffles, dad was like chugging olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> i can't even imagine like just the thought of like if i took a shot of olive oil instant gag reflex. yeah
0: you would vomit
1: I don't how could how... you drink
0: a glass of oil?
1: I,
2: would, I would at least put you know like a little bit of, like the parmesan and that italian seasoning in there like you know in one of those oh, yeah. those fancy restaurants that you dip the bread in it like you could at least do that yeah. to give yourself like a, you know a cultural experience
0: i mean also i mean maybe this is like an old school sort of remedy maybe jack's familiar with it from the old country but but castor oil, you know, the, the whole methodology behind that is, is when one consumes oil, one, one, that oil does not remain in one's body. You'd think that would be counterproductive to the whole uh, uh, gain process, because it, it would really yeah. it would really move things along, we'll say that. Oh my god, yeah, he, his fucking <laughs> asshole had to be like a slip
1: and slide. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Horrifying. Oh. So, but, but this, this kind of ties into like uh, Marky Mark's whole thing in this movie. He's super committed, but in the weirdest ways, why get fat? No one's looking at you. You know what I was too busy focused on for the first like hour of this movie, even though it takes place in the mid nineties, why the fuck does he look like it's 1978? (laughs) What the, what the fuck is the problem? So, I mean, and the only thing I can think of is like the, the director's like, okay, well, what do you want to look like? And he was like, well, I was thinking about. You know, going with the same look I had the first time I committed a hate crime. And then they were just like, okay, that's great. Uh, not realizing that that occurred in like
2: 1983. This could be his makeup. From from Boogie Nights, you know, like Boogie Nights. Mar- it is.
1: It's it's like the the feathered hair and the fucking handlebar mustache. Right. You know. So so it's like, it's like it's like
2: he, maybe he's reliving that because uh, Wahlberg is famously on the record as regretting being in Boogie Nights. Meanwhile, for most other people, Boogie Nights is probably Wahlberg's finest tower. So it's really weird. Oh sure. That he, yeah. He literally regrets one of the only movies in which Mark Wahlberg actually comes off pretty well. Um. So that's surprising. But you know, maybe the, the, maybe this is it. He's kind of like. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into that mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, physically, I'm gonna embody that just so that I can, you know, like purge it. Because he he regrets that whole porn adjacent movie that he made. This is Jesus mm-hmm. porn adjacent, and that's a beautiful thing and much more wholesome.
0: Yeah, this yeah. is a real wholesome fucking movie. Where you, this I movie
2: <laughs> is the the politics of this movie are. Just so weird, right? Because, like, early on... I mean, to, to run through some of the plot in this... Okay, so this guy, Stu Long, I think his name was... He was a boxer, and he was getting older... Assuming the movie's even in any way accurate, factually... Which it might not be. I couldn't give a shit. I have no interest in, in this man having watched this movie. So he's, like, he's boxing... And at an amateur level, and he's getting old, he's not going anywhere, and also it's like basically killing him, because you know boxing's not great for you uh, you know, the training's really good, but once you get in a ring you're really gonna undo all the health benefits really, really quickly, that's kind of a thing so you know, everyone's like, please stop boxing you're gonna die um, so so he, but, but he, like there's there's weird layups in this, like for example, uh, he talks about his mom that he, he like boxes, she's like you gotta stop boxing, and he I don't remember the exact line, but he's like He says that he couldn't go pro like he's not good enough to go pro because of participation trophies when he was a kid like they bring that specifically in it's like a weird conservative boomer talking point even though boomers invented participation trophies that was like their whole thing um but they complain about it all the time and then he says he's going to move out to hollywood become an actor because he's just you know because why not and then his mom is like you can't go to hollywood because hollywood is full of carpetbaggers communist (laughs) fascist hippies (laughs) like so like the early points of the movie are like hitting all of these like socio-political like kind of like coded kind of like conservative talking points but the movie doesn't really dwell on any of them at all and there's nothing convincing within the film about like there's nothing wrong with hollywood in the movie really because this stew guy is just sort of like Delusional, like he's—he's not gonna become an actor successfully. He's actually more successful than you think he'd have any right to be. Appears in appears in an infomercial, which is like pretty big.
0: Nationwide infomercial. Yeah, eh? Yeah, this
2: movie is like—it's really confused, and it's really confused about the Stu character because, like, the whole point is that Stu is basically a massive fuck up from a broken, dysfunctional family. And he's fucking everything up and hurting himself Mm -hmm. and everyone around him. And then he basically kind of like he finds Jesus and he turns his life around and he's inspirational. But they don't want Mark Wahlberg to play someone who's actually unlikable. So unfortunately, Stu in this movie is like a wise, cracking, like down home, wisdom spouting guy, hard knock living, who just kind of like through a series of things just ends up being a priest and then everyone likes him even more. It's very confusing.
0: The only thing he really does to ruin anyone's life in the film is become a priest. (laughs) right.
2: (laughs) That's it. Yeah, he like, he totally gets, like, he goes out, he finds a girl. He's like, and he's supposed to like this loser idiot. And he just spots a woman and he's very charismatic. And he just talks her up and gets her to go out with him, gets her to fall for him. Like, he literally, he's just, he, like, this dude is a fucking winner. He's like the Fonz, basically. Like, he's the Fonz, but we're supposed to be like, oh, I hope this guy fixes himself up. And then he just decides, so after a while, it's like, no, nah, I'm going to become a priest. Sorry, lady. Get out of here. Scram.
1: It is a wild arc, too, because he he's like an alcoholic fuck-up working at this grocery store, and he can't get many acting jobs. He's in, like, a mop commercial, but then he tries to get into a movie, but the movie producer's like suck my dick and father Stu's like no i don't do gay stuff uh but when he meets the woman he's still a fuck up and, and you would think like he would like meet the girl and then he makes this catholic transformation and then everything's good but he still is like getting drunk and driving around on his motorcycle yeah so it, it doesn't follow this like typical movie logic which is odd because Everything else about this film is very paint-by-numbers. It's every biopic you've ever seen in your entire life, right down to the point where there's a karaoke scene with uh, Padre Wahlberg and his gal pal, and they do a Johnny Cash song, and it's just like, it feels like I'm I'm channeling, like it's channeling something from like Walk the Line or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it just like Rosalind Ross is just like, yeah, I like this part of this movie, so I'm going to throw that in there. But everything else about it, if you had a, a biopic bingo card, cover all the fucking spaces, man. There's, It's like, it's all here. It's I all don't in the know, Steve. I haven't
0: seen too many fucking biopics where a man is visited by both Christ and the Madonna within like a 10-minute <laughs> <laughs> He's
2: just a That's very true. important guy. G- Jesus just says a lot riding on the line with old Stu. I mean everyone else is smitten with him, so why why not God himself? I mean, he's isn't like- this after
0: he's <laughs> like baptized and kind of into the faith when he gets in his motorcycle accident, right? Uh and then so he's baptized. He he obviously has some investment in the Catholic thing at the, at this stage, and uh he's still at a bar hammering down drinks, and Jesus Christ himself comes, saddles up to the bar next to him and is like uh best not to drive home tonight and then he just does anyway.
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> just... kind of a s-
0: strange inclusion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
2: so, right, so yeah, the, this movie has like like uh, it the tone of it, the story is is like laid out. It's very it's like it moves along but absolutely if you if you you know, if you look under the hood, it's very confusing as to who this is for or what it's doing. It really feels like kind of an imposter, kind of a a construct. Like, the whole movie really is kind of like, you know, a Christian movie, but for, like, kind of school of hard knocks, rough-around-the-edge Christians. You know, there's people who identify as, like, you know, I believe in God, but I still cuss. You know, like, there's a lot of swearing in this. It's not like, you know, a Christian movie, like a lot of the cleaned-up, squeaky-clean, you know, really, really awful movies. This one, like, masquerades, like, these are, like you know, uh, these are people who are, are failed, you know, who, who have problems, warts and all, but it's not really warts and all. It's like Hollywood warts and all. So it's, it's very, you know, kind of, it, it, it obviously there's very little depth to any of this, but yeah, it's, it's just very mm-hmm. peculiar because it's got that and the country music as well. Um, meanwhile, it's just, this like incredibly just mean spirit attitude towards like poor people. Um, like there's, for, like they go to a prison and one of the prisoners specifically doesn't know what the word metaphor means. And that's like a big thing. It's like, oh, you're talking about metaphors? What the hell are you talking about? While well, they're trying to preach the gospel, <laughs> and it's like it's just the most condescending horseshit. Like that, you know, prisoners are all stupid and dumb, and they need like they they basically the the priests the priests are gonna win them over because basically it's like you're in here and you're fucked up your whole life, and that's because you're terrible and you're awful. Uh, But God still likes you and that's like the whole pitch which might not be inaccurate but like you think they might try a little harder. And then there's another scene where he goes to visit his dad who's played by Mel Gibson at a trailer park and he like he's shouting outside his dad's trailer. And, and so Gibson comes out and he's like, shut up, you'll wake the whole neighborhood. And then Father Stu and all his, and this is like when he's progressed along, he's supposed to like have made some progress as a person. He just starts talking about how like, this isn't a neighborhood, it's a trailer park. Everyone here just has no job because they're so lazy. And it's just like, and that's left completely unchallenged. I mean, the only person we know in the trailer park is his dad, who's specifically an mm-hmm. awful person, although he does have a job. So
0: yeah, Yeah, gainfully employed. And fucking hilarious. A steadier (laughs) job than Wahlberg himself, presumably. He was, like, bagging groceries throughout the whole film. You would think, you know, glass houses and all, stew.
2: (laughs) Very very confusing. It's, like, it's blue. Like, this is, it feels very, like, like someone just kind of stapled a blue collar onto a not blue shirt. uh, And just kind of, like it around this is very much like mark Wahlberg trying to pretend to be one of the people but i think he's too far gone at this point he's been a millionaire for a very very long time so is mel gibson
0: confusing is the order of the day with this movie like i uh, that's the the problems where you could t- be talking about a first time director and stuff like that like i generally have no sense of like what what amount of time is meant to be passing throughout this film it's just kind of slips from one year to the next and you're like, I don't know if this movie takes place over three weeks or fucking 20 years. It's, it's just kind of hard to say. Oh, absolutely impossible. For yeah, that. yeah. It's the same with characters. Like you would think this movie, if you want to ground it, it's you could ground it with this Carmen character and their relationship, but that barely exists in this movie. It, it's kind of the focus for like 15 minutes or, you know, you have Mel Gibson on board and, say what you will about Mel Gibson, the man still has screen presence out the ass. Uh, every time he's in this movie, it's ten times more interesting. Oh my god, he's so good. Like, even in the
1: beginning, like, this is one of the, I think this is, this might be the opening scene, it's when uh, little Stu is a, is like a baby, and he's like, I want peanut butter! And Mel Gibson tells baby Stu, like, ah, oh, peanut butter, you eat too much of that, it'll fill you with shit and turn your eyes brown, because you're full of shit! Like, <laughs> right that's fucking awesome yeah and
0: so you would think like the conflict here is between Wahlberg and gibson like this whole father issue thing but it's just it's so slippery like they never really hash it out i don't know exactly what their issues are i don't fucking like where is any of this happening where is father Stu mm-hmm. boxing where does his mother live uh, is it across the country yeah <laughs> I don't fucking have I was any idea. I'm very confused about this because she just keeps showing up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was like Mobile, Alabama, or Mississippi, or something like that. Just because she, his mother, has a very thick Southern accent. Uh, Mel is doing something that is approximate to a Southern accent. Marky Mark is all over the place. Just it's like weird Southern Boston. I don't know what's going yeah. on. Not a lot of thought went to the accent, but I, I did a little research on the actual father, Stu, Montana he's from Montana so was this a conscious decision to to put it in the south do, do we just not know how people from Montana
0: speak well I mean the, it's not like that the bulk of the film is in Los Angeles so yeah, that's so true. his mother is just like showing up from Montana all the fucking time out of the blue now. I don't or
1: or, or Alabama or whatever fucking <laughs> non-disclosed Southern place or maybe Montana just to yeah, hang just out with up.
0: fucking Mel because he's such a, a a good guy. I guess I don't. Yeah, I, we love him. It's just a it's just a grand mystery. I, it, this is bring up my favorite scene in the film, which which I made Jack rewatch. Steve Steve refused to, where. <laughs> after stew has decided to become a priest uh again mysteriously i have no idea why i have no idea how this was arranged but it it appears in the house that stew is renting he arrives home to find both his mother and father who are a lot of strange and as we've established live several hundred miles apart they have now congregated in stew's house uh And for some reason, I guess they want to have like an intervention about him being a priest because they really are. They have a lot of problems with this for some reason. (laughs) His drinking's fine. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know why they're so uh, really interested in his, his decision. (laughs) You'd be like, okay, whatever. I I don't believe in that, but you know, it's a job, but no, they, they really have an issue with this whole priest thing. to the point where Mel Pulls out a revolver, and uh implores Stu to fucking—I I don't even know what he's trying to say here. He hands him a revolver, and basically he's like, "Well, if you want to be a priest, shoot me in the head or something." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what is happening?" And it's—it's <laughs> it's a little lethal weapon there. Yeah, it's, I, uh, it's channeling it. I don't know why this is—is is Mel's course of action, but that—that's how he proceeds. And then the scene ends. Wahlberg's like. Hey, fuck you guys! Leave my house, and I'm like, "Why are they at your house to begin with?" Lord only knows. But uh, mm. so we we don't follow Mark Wahlberg out. We we stay on the parents for a second, and Mel Gibson in Stu's rented house just gets up and bags up the kitchen trash, and and then the scene ends. And I'm like, "What in the fuck is this?" <laughs> Like, this is an editing choice you have to make. What what in God's name are we attempting to say with Mel Gibson just being like, I guess I'll take out Stu's trash. I,
1: I don't know. And it's and it's if it's an attempt at any sort of characterization or, or you know, getting a little deeper into who Mel Gibson is in this movie, it's not fucking working because every other scene that he's in, he's just like a, a grizzled lunatic yelling slurs at people, yeah. which, I, I mean, maybe Mel's getting a little typecast at this point, but...
0: I, <laughs> I don't understand like what yeah he's certainly not tidy sense. he's laying in his own filth after that <laughs> it's yeah. it's
2: ironic that that this in in any other movie such a an observed detail would be considered a grace note and this movie is about grace and yet this is not a grace note this is just a confusing no. thing that happens on screen I don't know if it's about like I, I don't know if they convince themselves of some kind of like a metaphor or you know a something about I don't know taking out the trash, cleaning, regeneration, rejuvenation, some kind of like a help, a begrudging, he helps Wahlberg. I have no idea. You're right. It, it doesn't make any sense as a scene or, you know, as a, an addition to the scene. The scene ends as soon as Mark Wahlberg leaves. Everything after that is just a confusing addition to an existing scene.
0: Yeah. And a scene that mm-hmm. is already quite disorienting if you really consider it. So I, I don't. This movie's just kind of full of those strange choices that, again, that could be the first-time director. I don't know if they had an experienced editor either, but there's just so many points, especially in the back end of this, which is really rushed. The whole stew being ordained, like, that thing where he's, like, driving with Bell, and his fucking truck breaks down. I'm like, but why does this truck need to break down? Can we have a little utility I mean this movie is too fucking long. I don't need (laughs) there's no reason for the truck to break down. It doesn't add anything. Except it's it's very
2: (laughs) confusing to the structure of and I mean I think it's part of the like one of the reasons why it's very difficult to take this movie seriously at all, and it's very difficult to take Mark Wahlberg's physical transformation seriously, is that the movie's (laughs) not really concerned with the priest element or the sickness element. Like, they really shoehorn that into, like, the last third of the movie. They just kind of, like, race through it. They're much more concerned with the first part, which is basically Stu being a kind of, like, cussing fuck-up, who, you know, but very charismatic and likeable. Like, the first hour of this movie is pretty much just people trading quips at each other. I've never, like, I've never seen the blue-collar comedy tour, but I'm pretty sure this is what it is. It's just a bunch of, like, guys in overalls or, like, standing near trucks just kind of, like, mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, each one of them is gayer than the last or whatever, you know, just joshing each <laughs> other. That's And that's this uh. movie uh, for, for a, a long time.
0: The old R word. The R word is getting through. You think you'd hear that one in 2022? <laughs> you betcha. Multiple times. Yeah, because we're
1: not going to let the libs cancel us. That's what they're saying here. Uh, this is and, and this is great, too, because if you ask yourself, like, how does the contemporary uh, Christian of 2022 differentiate themselves from, you know, the contemporary Christian of 20, 25 years ago? And this is it. This is like the next level of what faith-based cinema looks like. So it's, I mean, the, how, many, how many, like, F-bombs are in this movie? at least like 20 30 i don't even know like it it gets thrown around quite a bit but also this is without a shadow of a doubt a faith-based movie it has a you know i mean it's poorly conveyed but i feel like the the objective here is to uh, convey a message of redemption and uh you know the importance of, of maintaining your faith in god and yada 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 uh it, that you would think that is in stark contrast to all the you know swearing and and just generally uncouth non-Christian content, but no, this is this is the modern faith-based film. This is what we get. It's you know a, a little crasser, a little edgier. I personally prefer the edginess of the Passion of Christ, where you know it's basically just like a snuff film like, damn, the Christians needed their own, like, guinea pig or August Underground, so we gave it to them in 2004. You see,
0: this has... This shares a lot of uh, common complaints I have with faith, faith-based films, which is, like, to me, like, who is this, like, selling on the notion of, of Christianity? Like, what 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 about this story is especially inspiring when you boil it down? Like, it's just like, this asshole decided to become a priest... And he was still mostly an asshole. And then he got Lou (laughs) Gehrig's disease. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, the, the problem with Christian based films is not the lack of shits and fucks. Like, that's not like, I'm not like, damn, I just, I need a a faith based film where, you know, the, the main character has a little bit of edge to him. That's not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is the thing when we, we ran into a lot with caustic content, because we would quite often fight ourselves with faith based films is, is you you're like why would anyone watch this and be like i'm really curious about christianity like there there's nothing about this that would implore you to like look into this to be like oh this could be the solution for me like there's something beautiful <laughs> about this religion it's like no, no everyone involved in it, it's kind movie... of a fucking jackass and also yeah it doesn't benefit mark Wahlberg's life in any meaningful way whatsoever <laughs> No, the entire movie is him getting repeatedly like cucked by God. <laughs> that's just like the well, whole it's thing. A, that's just like, like
2: fundamentally Christian, really, though, isn't it? That's <laughs> Catholic as all hell.
0: I mean, just you hire a salesman or something. I mean, God, I don't care what the true story is. Just have fucking Jesus pop back in in the end and go, Alakazam, Kazam, you're healed. <laughs> Well, then maybe I'd be yeah. like, okay, I'll look into it.
2: <laughs> the fundamental issue here, absolutely. Like, it's—I mean, these movies always do. I feel like they—they they, they often do pretty good trade. You know, it's like the movie just about how you know your life is fucked up and you're not happy, but you know what? Through faith, you can always, you know, become a better person. Just join a church and volunteer and be part of a community. And it's like that's—that's that's the thing that happens in real life, and these movies yeah. just kind of like shamelessly cash in on it. Okay, fair enough. But, you know, what What strikes me about this is that the movie f- picks this real-world figure, this real guy, and then seems utterly disinterested or unconvinced he could actually support a movie. Like, one of the things that struck mm-hmm. me throughout this is, like, would Stu be a good priest based on what we've seen? Like, I don't know. There's no... He's he's bad at life. He's, he screws up a bunch of stuff. He just swears at people all the time. But then he just keeps... Like, he, he keeps... Like, every time he has to, t- to say something, every time someone's like, you know, you're just a drunk fuck-up, he, like, immediately spins around and has some, like, you know, hard-spun wisdom that he just, like, spouts out, and everyone, like, smiles, and like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that really is something, you know, you really are fundamentally a good guy, and it comes out of nowhere, there's no justification for it in the film. So, it's like, it's not even convinced, like, like, I keep saying, like, fuck-up Mark Wahlberg in this movie, He's not that bad. He seems like he's doing okay. Honestly, yeah.
0: So there's no growth. Like there, there's no, not like not a, a change just, in the destiny. He's destined
2: character. to be a good priest because like yeah, and he's like, I want to be a priest, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. You'll be fine. Which yeah, is not how that works.
0: <laughs> like if you want to show me the power of this this faith, like this new community that he's become a part of and is enriching his life, then show him. At his worst, like he's just the same like amiable goof. The whole movie,
2: their portrait of like his incredible sacrifice because of his religious faith is that he literally just won't bang the lady. That's it. That's like that's how we know he's serious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he does bang and, the And lady, they make a point. He? To, he he bangs he the woman. No, he doesn't. I thought. he I think he does. He has sex with the woman after his accident. Before they're married, she decides she will have sex with him, and then. Uh, like two scenes later she thinks he's then going to propose marriage and instead he's like uh I've decided I'm gonna marry God <laughs> but he <laughs> has he's had like sex he's with this woman to
2: become a priest I'm I maybe I just blacked out for that part which is entirely likely because this movie is it, like it doesn't move in any logical sense so yeah there's entirely possible something that major got lost in the mix uh, yeah I I
1: don't know all, all I know is that I, I think my my favorite part is he gets this disease, and this is just a, a wonderful script because the doctor's like, Well, your muscles are slowly going to degenerate until you can't move anymore. And then the organs are going to melt, and then you're going to drop dead, and everything's going to be horrible and painful. And then uh, you think it's this somber moment, and Marky Mark's like, oh well, everything's gonna break and the doctor's like not your dick <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: didn't
1: and marky bark's like ah becoming a priest
2: <laughs> it's just it's insane i love it just <laughs> yeah no like nothing about this there's no con like even something i thought was pretty telling about this movie um in terms of its like progress from you know, this failed boxer who, you know, a, a man who's basically entirely a materialist who becomes a spiritual person. You know, that's supposed to be the transformation. You know, he's he's trusted in material things his whole life and it's got him nowhere. And suddenly, you know, he, he finds his way with God. But it's so goddamn weird. The film closes with like, you know, your typical... Like, Father Stu served as a priest until he died at the age of 50, you know, which, fair enough, you know, that's a a biopic, it has to end with a piece of text on a screen, that's a lull. Uh, But it's over a still frame of him as a boxer, not a still (laughs) frame of him as a priest or as a, you know, kind of like broken down, you know, physically frail man. No, it's like they go back to muscular, fit, marky, mark, and it, it... it's just so peculiar, and I feel like they're they're maybe trying to draw the comparison that like as a boxer, what he was looking for was a win, was for victory, and he could never get it. You know, he wasn't good enough at that, and so his great victory was that he became a priest, etc. But you, you know, it's it's really weird to ally that that the and it speaks into just how rushed the entire back part of this movie is, like. They, they we're supposed to just remember him just being basically ripped Mark Wahlberg like yeah. in the ring and he's even winning <laughs> like in the ring he's like holding his gloves up like he's just won it, it's a bizarre kind of like erasure of the entire arc that we're supposed to actually pay attention yeah, to
0: remember, remember not before even the Lord fucking robbed him of his physical well-being yeah that's great I mean my, my favorite part
1: from Marky Mark here is when fat Marky Mark can't use his limbs anymore and becomes a priest and they just toss his ass on the fucking ground it's like a discarded fish. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's fucking great stuff. While uh Monsignor Malcolm McDowell like scowls from across the
0: room. Yes, that is the, that is the whole Catholic arc is like, they don't want him to be a priest. They're like, fuck you. We don't want you. And he's like, "Come on, I'll be a priest." And then once he gets sick, they're like, "Uh, sorry, pal, you're not good enough to be a priest because you're sick." And us Christians don't want your fucking sick ass around.
2: This <laughs> is definitely, you know, the Catholic Church never spotting a marketing opportunity. Thinks the best idea is to take the sick mm-hmm. dude and turf him.
0: And this this is inspirational. Uh, eventually the Catholic church decided to take pity on him and fucking threw him on an altar and threw some holy water on him and let let him call himself a priest. It's like, that's not inspirational. It's just fucking sad.
1: Yeah. This is like a, like a kid dying of leukemia who wants to become a police officer. So they fucking deputize him for a day. Make
2: a wish priest thing. That's the movie. They totally make a wish thing. Yeah. And and again, I don't think that's the real story of Father Stewart. No, not. That's this movie. That's what they came up with.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like we've been pretty hard on old, you know, Padre Wahlberg here and his his passion project. And wouldn't you know the conservative faith based film community, uh, they feel like the critics overall have just been way too harsh. So I wanna I wanna read you guys a little review here, uh, an excerpt, if you will, from my favorite website, maybe you've heard of it before, it's uh, religionunplugged.com. And uh, writing on religionunplugged.com, uh, this is Clement Lisi. and they write, <clears throat> by the way, this is my favorite opening line to an article that's ever been written, the gently gay friendly fantastic beast the secret of dumbledore won the box office this past weekend while the religiously inspired film father stew (laughs) finished at a respectable fifth (laughs) Why does it mean to be gently gay friendly (laughs) what is like harry potter stealing a kiss from a boy and just like thinking about things different like what's (laughs)
0: What does this mean? I don't uh, know. Dumbledore is like retroactively gay. That's the thing, right? Yeah.
2: that That is the thing. Yeah. But it's like two. They, they edited that movie for China to remove the gay content <laughs> or for Saudi Arabia. I don't remember which territory. And I believe it amounts to removing two lines of dialogue. So again, another. Is,
1: is that his secret? Is the secret of Dumbledore is he's gay? Is that? Yeah. Have we that's,
2: revealed the secret? That's the, like the secret big...
1: because
0: Rowling didn't put it in the actual text. She just told people yeah. about it later. <laughs>
2: I feel like the big secret now that Warner Brothers has is that Rowling's like a horrible transphobic psycho and they would just prefer if no one talked about her anymore while they continue to make these movies. Yeah, they would
1: like to make money and also toss her into a volcano. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: they've got some real problems. (laughs) They they really went to bed with the wrong people here. They got the debt problem on their hands as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. All right, well, uh, they go
1: on. It wasn't a bad finish for a film that doesn't feature a Marvel superhero and may find an audience in Western right Christians who were otherwise at church with family this past Sunday. <laughs> uh, they, they also lament later that this was released on Easter because that, you know, you shouldn't release a movie on Easter. Uh, they go on. The two hour film featuring Mark Wahlberg as the main character gets a Rotten Tomatoes score of 45% based on 75 reviews by critics, but a 95% from verified users from the general audience. I also feel the 45% is generous. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyways, it shouldn't surprise me that there is a divergence between media market critics and the audience when it comes to movies that glorify faith. I found the story compelling, despite the vulgar language. It is worth seeing. I get that reviewers are entitled to their opinions. After all, that's the job of a critic. But the coverage around the film, however, has been framed in a certain way, offering up lopsided and negative takes among many mainstream news sites. This isn't a traditional news coverage question, but it's appropriate to ask, what's going on here? Part of the answer is that the movie features Wahlberg and Mel Gibson, who directed the 2004 hit The Passion of the Christ. It was a film that reinvigorated a desire to make religiously inspired films. Did it? (laughs) But won Hollywood and uh, the subsequent Academy Awards, ignored. And Gibson, of course, is not your usual Hollywood A-lister, to say the least. It's the news coverage and opinion pieces around the film, and in some cases specifically around Gibson and Wahlberg, who are both Catholic, that was troubling. Some of the coverage saw sinister forces at work in this new movie with a focus on the past personal flaws of these actors. (laughs) I'm not here to defend these men, but I can't recall the last time the life of the actors in a movie became the focal point of most coverage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's never seen a Roman Polanski (laughs) movie.
1: You ever heard of this guy, Woody Allen? (laughs) Funniest thing. What the fuck is going on? As a result, I wonder if Will Smith, fresh off his now infamous Oscar slap, will get the same coverage the next time he has a movie coming
2: out. Yes,
0: a fucking yeah, he, awesome. will, he Absolutely, will.
2: Like Jesus Christ, it's like we're like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is a debacle, and the next time either one of them does anything, they're gonna dredge up all this shit again. Like we're in the worst timeline for this. What has this person been doing? This is doing? all you
1: hear about. Oh, exactly. That's what I want to know like how have you just like not I mean, you, ostensibly you are a person who covers film for a website you write about this you just not pay attention to anything outside of the movie itself which I guess good for you but yeah uh, also fucking Mel Gibson <laughs> his shit was so bad that like he was able to be like a fucking internet meme before internet memes like he he that clip that clip of him like screaming into the answering machine of his ex-wife
0: it's it's remarkable like, it's it's, remarkable. I mean, it's
2: it's it's like a testament to whole like cancel culture thing and how it's not real is like consider the stuff that gibson did he shouldn't like i shouldn't have been able to watch a new movie with him in it like no. that doesn't make any goddamn sense at all and yet here we are
0: yeah, no, I He's mean... He's never stopped. Yeah, I, I mean, Mel Gibson, problematic fave, I guess. I, I, I always like to see him on screen. If I saw him by the street, I would be less <laughs> enthused, I think. Uh, yeah, but what he has done is it goes a little beyond uh, the slapping a guy ass. <laughs> Jeez.
1: And, and, and that's the thing, because, you know, a, a lot of the press around this movie specifically with interviews with Wahlberg and and Mel Gibson when Wahlberg's not talking about drinking olive oil have been about how you know this is about how everybody deserves a second chance and people don't get second chances anymore and and father stew would get canceled today by two guys who've got the biggest
2: second chances in history oh my
1: God. mark Wahlberg spent his teenage years literally just committing hate crimes like, the first time Marky Mark was arrested is because he was like chasing a black child down the street, screaming the N word at them. He like permanently crippled an Asian American man by like blasting him in the face. Yeah, I he
2: blinded him, I believe, at least in yeah, one eye. Yeah.
1: At least in one eye. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, he's one of the biggest Hollywood stars there is. Mel Gibson uh, maybe never rose to the level of like lethal weapon fame again. However, it's not like he's had a rough life. The guy has worked consistently. Uh, he fucking had The Passion of the Christ, which was a, a big hit. Got, he got nominated for an Oscar for Hacksaw Ridge. And that was <laughs> his greatest crime. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the greatest crime he ever committed, if you've seen it. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. Like to think that they're like, yeah, like we, you know, it's tough being canceled. You didn't get fucking canceled. You've continued to make millions of fucking dollars. It's, it's insane. And then, you know, religion unplugged person would, who's just like, yeah, when was the last time you, you heard somebody talking about the actor's personal lives instead of the movie? And uh, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> the movie's not great. <laughs> but when you put Mel and Marky Mark in the same movie, it's, uh, come on, come on. And then you it's, it's a vanity project. It's, it's written and directed by a, a, a young woman who has done very little
0: except date Mel Gibson. Come on. And it's proselytizing. Like, it, it wants to be morally superior, which, yeah. <laughs> You're asking for judgment when you fucking make such a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's... Uh... It's incredible stuff. I mean, it's ostensibly proselytizing. It's not very effective at doing so. I I just don't see how this movie really functions as inspiration or... Uh, any sort of really religious text, I, no. I, I find it to be—it's fucking boring. Of failure on that front. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
2: it's a big pile of nothing. And, so. and yeah, and what throws me off on this is because as we've previously discussed, it's like Baptists and you know the whole faith-based thing. Mostly in the US, is like the Baptists and and the evangelical groups, and you know they're pretty hardcore about baptism, and that's like their whole thing, mm-hmm. and they're very into it, and everything they do's got to reflect it. And so the movie market that's supported by them is, you know, pretty robust, even though, weirdly, they can't make real movies. Like, the second you see, like, a faith-based movie from them, like, within, like, two scenes or, like, within, honestly, like, two seconds of it starting, you're like, oh, this is a Christian movie. Like, it's it's just, like, there's a veneer to it somehow but you know they make them and they watch themselves and they claim that they're like fighting against something even though no one cares and it's not real and it's all in their head but that's what they do and that's like a time-honored tradition catholics Mm -hmm. like we discussed like catholics don't really care about a lot of this they don't don't give a shit so who's this movie for who's tuning like who's the catholics like oh man it's time to go and watch you know, a good Catholic movie. Like when would like a good Catholic movie for Catholics is like The Exorcist or The Godfather. <laughs> Those are like good Catholic movies you can watch. Cause you know, they don't really care <laughs> about the nitty-gritty Catholic stuff. Meanwhile, Baptists hate Catholics. They hate Catholics more than they hate atheists. They fucking loathe them so they're not going to show up for this one so far as i'm aware unless something is seriously changed i mean like they consider the pope to be like the worst dude on the planet for some reason you know i i don't understand the metrics i maybe that maybe this speaks to why other film studios were like yeah i don't don't really like if we can't like if we can't shill like get a bunch of money off baptists for this thing which like passion of the christ genius covers all bases Honestly, everyone had to go take a look, and it's super violent too, so even atheists were like, oh, check it out, why not? <laughs> see, Can I get to see, see like, Jim Cavazell, who's like a super annoying dude, just get wailed on for two hours? Not the worst time in the cinema. But this, yeah, it's it's kind of like a marketing gap. I, I don't really understand who's into this, other than maybe, like I said, this apparently small group of fundamentalist Catholics I met who probably still aren't going to like this movie because it just doesn't go far enough on... Well, and you know, also,
0: it's, it's it's very vulgar, you know. That's the that's the other big disconnect. Like, you know, people who want to watch these things, they don't want to hear these swears.
2: Well, I think there's a, there's a movement, you know, it's kind of like, okay, they don't, like, you know, we've got to meet the world where it's at, you know. And I think the Catholics are maybe a little bit better at that than the Baptists, frankly, because Catholics, because, you know, they don't care as much. So, you know, they're like, you know... We'll go out into the world and people drink and they smoke and they swear. And Catholics are fine with all of those things, mostly. Baptists aren't. Mm. Like, Baptists aren't okay with drinking, which immediately puts them at odds with just generally how everyone on the earth has fun. Uh, you know, them and the Muslims, it's kind of like, mm, this is a real steep learning curve. But anyhow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I, don't I get feel it. like
0: this could have been an awards play. Like, in a different reality. Like, if Mark Wahlberg actually sells this movie... I just, it it feels well, like something that it could is. have
2: been. Like, 100%, that scene with him on the toilet being fat, like, that's 100% in Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> head. That is his Oscar moment. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. No one's going to remember. No one remembers <laughs> this movie now, and it just came out.
0: Well, it wouldn't have released this time of year if things had gone differently. You know, if there's a... Mm-hmm. If only old Weinstein hadn't gotten... Uh, he wasn't a victim of Canceled. the vicious cancel culture. Uh, <laughs> this this could have just been a, a Miramax special. They hand it to old David oh, O. Russell, yeah. and they just fucking toned down the Catholic stuff a little bit. Let's lean a little more into the boxing, and uh, you got yourself a fucking... David Oscar o. Russell, nominee.
2: another 2011's another <laughs> the fighter.
0: <laughs> yeah, we just we we've suddenly got like ten Oscar nominations on our hands. But as as yeah. it currently stands, yeah. this thing's gonna be lost to the sands of time,
2: right? Quick. But I mean, if you take yeah. out the pole face priest stuff, you you kind of like you, it doesn't that it had to be in there. This movie, like, this movie is overtly religious. It's not like adjacent like a character change. It's overtly about like join the cool club that got Father stew. But the problem is that. I don't think anyone thinks that Father Stew's that cool based on this movie. Like, the cool club is like, ah, just kind of like... The cool club is actively lobbying against him for a good chunk of his own movie. Yeah. Very confusing.
0: And the cool club, again, there's just no shift in Father Stew's character that says the club benefit him. And the other characters in the cool club are fucking... Checked out Malcolm McDowell, a guy named Ham, and some, like... (laughs) At some There's a jerk guy. rival who, like, I weeps in a confessional the, at the end. The,
2: the jerk rival <laughs> character is hilarious, because at one point he just says he was, like, raised to be a priest. Yes. And it's like, what? And But he also has no concept. Like, even in passing, he has no concept of the precepts of the priesthood. Like, he's just actively just being a jerk to Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> and he's like, you're too stupid and poor to be here. And it's like, <laughs> like setting up the layup of, like, well, actually, Jesus thought the poor were okay, You know, it's like he if you if you think you're raised to be in the priesthood, you're going to handle that stuff a little better. And I'm saying this because I know a guy who joined the priesthood and frankly, he's not a very nice person, but he wouldn't just say this shit out loud like he be savvy about it. His main downfall was that later on he'd get drunk and then he would because Catholics get drunk a lot. That's what they do. And then he would take me aside and he'd tell me about how, like, the whole child sex uh, scandal was actually because of, in his words, a secret gay cabal within the priesthood. <laughs> not kidding. Real story I have. Uh, You know, but, but nonetheless, when he was sober at doing this stuff, he's not just going to go up to a poor person and just tell them to get fucked. Like, that's... You don't do that if you were going to be a priest. Half of being a priest is that, like... The reason a certain number of people become priests 100% is cuz they don't want to get a real job but they want people to respect them, right? And priest being a priest can absolutely be a real job. And I want to dismiss all priests, but you can also be a bad priest. Yeah. And bad priests get the same wages, get to do a lot of the same stuff, and they also get to lord it over poor people and demand gifts. And that's a major, and people still respect them or have to respect them. Catholics have to respect the priest. You go to a poor neighborhood, they have to respect you. You're a pillar of the community automatically. It's a whole thing. And like this guy, I know, that's that's what he wanted. He wanted respect. He just didn't particularly want to do anything else for it. Also, absolutely just terrified of his own sexuality. So that meant that the priesthood was like a good way out and another really funny thing because uh, this this vision of the priesthood this this film has is so like awkward and stilted and they're like no no you can't be in here because you're a priest you know you can't go in here because you, you're poor and you're like a little rough around the edges you know uh, and then they let him in and it's kind of like you know being becoming a priest is not easy like you you like they do vet a lot but they not in a sensible way Uh, like they they really do vet a lot to make sure that you're not like you know gonna really shame them and yet same time this this guy I know who became a priest was ordained with two other guys I believe there were just three of them were ordained that year and within less than a month one of those guys was prosecuted for soliciting sex from another man so they can't even do it properly on that level (laughs) like in the real church so this movie has no like it just doesn't bring anything to the table it's like it's running in its own race in this made-up religion in this made-up social context it's bewildering. It's not nitty-gritty. It's not accurate to faith or to the Catholic Church or to any of the things that one might consider marketing or, or useful about those, you know, or or I, I shouldn't say marketing, very sterile. Like, the, the beautiful things about faith, the things that genuinely move people, the reason that people oh. actually are religious. This movie can't fucking find any of them. And it also does a shit job of just even portraying the church as having vague dysfunctions. It is, it just can't go anywhere. It's such a, God, it's such, like, someone needs to make another movie of this and just, like, fix things and I and like make the anti father stew movie i would watch that where like where he's a real shithead loser and the church is real mean and the whole movie just makes you feel grubby all over larry cohen if he were still alive would make an amazing <laughs> father <laughs> stew movie
0: well that's the thing like what is like appealing as as someone who is certainly not religious but was raised catholic like i can't stand any of the other denominations in in america as they exist i mean There's the only thing that has any allure is Catholicism. And it's because of it's sort of like ancient ritual factor. Like this movie wants to have appeal to that. Where, where are the beautiful choirs and then these grand cathedrals and this movie Basically everything that's a church is just like a, a white drywall. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> it's, it's no, there's no grand
2: mystique. I, I to under, is is it possible that like the churches were like just no, we're not we don't care that, enough but, that like, this seems, seems possible. like a shit show?
0: Yeah. I, it could very well be, because there's certainly nothing of like the old beauty of the Catholic Church in this movie. <laughs>
2: He gets a bell at one point and is, like, trying to rehearse ringing the bell right. That's about, yeah, the only Catholic accoutrement in the whole thing. Although they also have the host. And I was thinking, uh, Steve, you had details of his diet. It's, it's a damn shame that he didn't, like, eat fucking 8,000 <laughs> Eucharist a day for his starch, for starch intake.
1: That would have been a dope Catholic move. That's a missed opportunity. I talk about good press, too.
0: God. All right. Well, we should probably wrap things up. So, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh I, but boy. You know, I never watch anything, but I I uh am rewatching uh, Man with a Movie Camera. I'll put that over. Just rewatched it today. Uh very excellent uh Russian montage pioneering film. It's uh it's kinetic. It's awesome. It's half the length of Father Stew. and uh watch that instead. <laughs> That sounds good. Jack, how about you? What are you putting over?
2: Okay, so we're a little late. Right now uh, is running the Prismatic Ground Short Film Festival. It's really great. It's all online. Loads and loads of short movies and a couple of not short movies, which confused me. It's like, what is it? Like an hour and a half long? I'm like, that's not a short movie. What the fuck is that doing there? But anyway, um, it unfortunately ends today. So I don't know where you could see this movie in the future. Hopefully it gets around. But I watched a... 40-minute-long movie called Constant, uh, directed by Sasha Litvintseva and Benny Wagner. And it is a really interesting kind of, like, a documentary, but sort of like, you know, kind of a, a what would you say, I guess a, a, a think-piece kind of philosophical documentary, uh, basically about units of measurement. And it's about how we moved from units of measurement that were based on the human body and on subjective elements to a kind of an objective universal system of measurement but that actually it's still not actually universal or or i guess objective because the human body actually got in the way like they tried to do it through math calculating things and the human body actually has there's like a lapse when you're calculating star positions based on the speed of light and your brain being able to process things that like screwed up the measurement of the mile or the meter, I guess, you know, various things like this. It's a really, an interesting film basically about the ideology and the politicizing and the the just general idea of our system of measurement and how it places us in the universe. I thought it was a really interesting, great short film, really kind of fascinating kind of topic. And it's only 40 minutes long. It's really just interesting insight into a topic that's not discussed a lot. So constant... Uh, is really worth checking out. Unfortunately, I have no idea where you will find it now. So hopefully, if, if I find it, I'll probably post a link on Twitter or something. Um, I would like to know where to see it in the future too. But uh, yeah, check it out if you can find it.
1: All right. Well, this week I'm putting over the Oscar-nominated 2006 Mel Gibson film Apocalypto. No, no I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Uh, but I will say that it was it was nominated for multiple Oscars, and it was released uh, six months after Mel Gibson was pulled over for a DUI. And uh, while he's getting arrested, he was <laughs> screaming anti-Semitic remarks at the cop. <laughs> so there you go. It must be canceled. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to put that over. I, I do want to say, though, the other thing about that movie Apocalypto, is I always want to call it Apocalyptica, but that's that's the band of guys with bad facial hair that like play cellos to Metallica songs or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a real totally rich vein thing. there. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's what everyone's favorite band should be. I sometimes I listen to metal albums. I'm like, fuck, I wish this had a cello. <laughs> really though, what I'm putting over is what you you want a Catholic movie? You need you need a fucking Catholic movie in your life. You want one that's specifically about a uh, stubborn but determined little little rascal was getting into a little Catholic trouble. How about Raining Stones, 1993? Ken Loesch, watch that. That's a better Catholic movie. It's streaming on Tubi because, of course it is. Everything good is streaming on Tubi. Watch that instead. Better Catholic movie. Quit fucking crying about not having enough Catholic movies. Ken's got you covered. He's always got you covered. And with that, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast today, there is a link in the description of the episode you're listening to, and that'll take you to our Patreon page. And if you donate any amount of money, I will personally send you a movie from my collection. Could be anything. It could be uh, maybe Hacksaw Ridge on DVD. You don't know. You have no you idea. You own that, eh? That'd be pretty fun. I do not fucking. know. <laughs> you that. can't send maybe that I'll to someone.
2: A- that's just that's wrong. Have you learned nothing from yeah. this movie?
1: I I mean, well, here's here's what I'm thinking. I, I was I was giving away things that I I actually own, but a local record store today on Instagram they posted a picture of just dozens of boxes of VHS tapes and it's 2000 VHS tapes. And they're like, Hey, we just got this donated to us. And there's a bunch of cool stuff, but none of these have any cardboard sleeves. They were just like loose VHS tapes (laughs) that someone kept in boxes. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, so somebody make an offer. We'll take whatever. So I'm thinking about being like, I'll give you 50 bucks. And then, but then I have 2000 VHS tapes. Uh, so, yeah, maybe I'll mail you, I don't know, a fucking VHS, a lethal weapon, too. You don't know what's coming to you, but something's coming to you. Also, at higher tiers, you can you can vote on content. You can get your name read out on this show. You can dictate an entire episode. You know, if, if you want us to watch the directorial work of Mel Gibson and uh, talk about the messages he leaves on answering machines for his, the, the mother of his children. Hey, that's that's an option for you. Plenty of options out there,
0: uh, Steve. We could, we we should, you know, what was the name read out on show? We should probably thank uh, patrons: Evan, Ryan, Dustin, Paula. Oh, big salute! Thank you guys, Keep keeping keeping the
2: magic
1: alive. Keeping the magic alive. They said, you know what? I'm upgrading. I'm going to the higher tier. Let's fucking do this. And yeah, we got to we got to get some some fresh Patreon content out there for our our loyal listeners too, because you know if you do sign up for our Patreon, in addition to uh, the the extra perks, you get a bunch of old uh, written and, and recorded podcast content uh, that you can only get when you're a Patreon subscriber. And we'll, hopefully we'll have something new for you soon. We did our our new Texas Chainsaw re- re- review. That was the last time we did something. So I think we got something up our sleeves. We got some real quality cinema coming your way in the next couple of weeks. So we can probably add on something uh anyways yeah if, if you enjoy the show uh you have any questions comments death threats marriage proposals optimism at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at optimism and uh, maybe we'd love to hear from you i don't know maybe you're fucking weird doesn't matter to me and uh yeah we'll see you next week